John 14, verses 15 to 31. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that, you, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of the world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. <clears throat> Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we're grateful for your word and grateful for the opportunity to proclaim it in this place. And Lord, pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us this morning, that you would apply this uh, text to our lives Uh, Lord, that we would walk uh, in the obedience that you have called us to walk in. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, Anyone know of... Sandy already said yes. Sandy has already volunteered to answer this question. Uh, (laughs) uh, That's very... New Year's resolution, I think, Sandy, is going to now answer all the questions. Is that... Okay. Uh, (laughs) Does anybody know any of the Ten Commandments? Anyone know any Ten Commandments? How do you thought, maybe? Anyone? Anyone uh, think of? Is it em- Ella's got one, maybe? Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Yeah? Any other of the Ten Commandments that you can think of? <laughs> Don't take the name of the Lord in, in vain. Yep. Any others? Honor your mother and father. All right. Any others? <laughs> That's a good one too. <laughs> yep. Do not commit adultery. Don't don't kill. Don't steal or don't murder. Don't steal. Um, keep the Sabbath. Yep. Don't. Yep. Don't cover your neighbors house or wife or servant or donkey. <laughs> exactly. Uh, 
<clears throat> the Ten Commandments, right? These are probably important to know if you're going to be obedient to something, right? Um, you know, I, I bring those up because I'm titling this text, Obedience, um, and we're going to talk about obedience in a number of ways, and I think when we think of the Bible and we think of obedience, uh, probably the first thing we do think about is, well, what are the top, top ten, right? What are the Ten Commandments? If we obey those, then we're good, right? If we just keep that list, then that's what we need to know, and that's what obedience is about, is keeping this list of the Ten Commandments. And, um, <clears throat> you know, there was some others who came along in Jesus' time, or right before Jesus' time, really, and actually looked at the whole of the Old Testament and said, not, not, not that there are 10, but actually, traditionally, we think there are 613, right, um, commandments that the Lord has given in the Torah, 600. And 13 different instructions or commands that you ought to do this or you not ought to do this. Um, there's a big list, right, of things that if we're supposed to live right, then you ought to be able to do all 613, probably at least, right? You know, when you reduce religion to a list like that, uh, what you get isn't, I would argue, isn't obedience you get compliance. Um, I looked at the definitions of obey and comply this morning as I was thinking about this and thinking about the definition that we see in this passage of John about obedience being love, right? This text describes obedience as love, but when I think about a list that I uh, have to adhere to, it's really compliance. And the difference is subtle, but I think it's there. To obey... Uh, is to submit to the authority of someone. Submit to the authority of someone. To comply is to act in accordance with a command. I don't know if you hear the subtle difference. I think that the subtle difference is relationship. Right? When, When I'm obeying someone, I'm seeing that they have an authority in my life that they might have a wisdom or position that is above mine, that I'm submitting to. But if I'm viewing my relationship and my goodness or righteousness at the level of compliance, I'm just saying, well, there's the standard, and as long as I meet that standard, then I am in compliance. And too often we think of obedience as compliance. But our passage today is really challenging us that obedience is about knowing who it is that loves us and showing him our love through obedience, not through compliance. The fact is what Jesus shows us is that we don't have enough in us to comply. (laughs) We're not capable of fulfilling or even remembering uh, 10 let alone 613 uh, rules or methods on which we ought to, uh, ought to uh, live our lives. In Luke, uh, a lawyer stood up and asked Jesus a question to test him. He said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, well, lawyer, man, what's written in the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this 
and you will live. The spirit of the law, the spirit of God's word and of God's character, is not of completing an entire list of 613 or however many uh, things you put on the list that accord to your righteousness. The spirit of what God has given us is to uh, be in one with your Father in heaven, to honor Him, and to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, which is a whole lot. As little as we like to admit it, and even if we struggle with self-esteem, the truth is we love ourselves some us. (laughs) We're very good at comforting ourselves, extremely good at it. It's, It's as if it comes natural to us. So take that level of a concern that we have for self and apply it to your neighbor. And that's what really God is calling us to in the law. But what we see again in this passage is right from the beginning, right? Verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will keep my commands. You will walk in obedience. Now, removed from the context of, of John uh, and, and what has just happened before this, that, that might sound um, like he's just sort of interjecting this thing. Here it is. Uh, you guys show me that you love me by being obedient. But what has truthfully happened, and, and we've seen this as we've gone through John, is that Jesus has already demonstrated what that love is to look like by showing that love himself. John 13, 1 and following is the story of Jesus coming into uh, this uh, Last Supper uh, room, right? And instead of uh, some servant that's in the room coming to wash the feet of all the men who had gathered there, uh, who is it that washes the feet of everyone in the room, including Judas Iscariot, who is to betray him? It is Jesus who comes and washes their feet. This is love, that God who created the entire earth would stoop down and serve those he created, washing their feet, even the one who would betray him. Love your enemies. And beyond that, just, just after that, in John 13, 34 and 35, he had just described how Peter's about to betray and how this was, uh, Jesus was about to go to the cross and he gives them a new command in that context. He says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my, my disciples if you have love for one another. So prior to this passage, Jesus has showed us that he loves us. So much so that he would stoop to the level of a servant to serve us and show us his love. Pours it out abundantly on us. Then he asks us, okay, now you need to love one another. So when we come to this statement, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, what does that look like? Looks like exactly what he has already done for us. First John 5, 1-3 says this, same author, different book. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, 
that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. See, obedience is not about just following a set of rules. Obedience is about uh, loving the one who made us and loving the one who showed us what love is. It's reciprocal. Why would John say that it's not burdensome? (laughs) Because truthfully, when you spend just a moment reflecting upon yourself and what you deserve and what God gave you instead, nothing is burdensome what he calls you to. He calls us to love him by following his commands. So obedience is not compliance. Uh, Obedience is love. And obedience is also, as I've, I've already stated now and will state again, obedience really isn't a set of meticulously uh, um curated rules. You're not going to find one of those, really. I mean, you can look at Scripture and and see some very plain rules and very good wisdom and clear instruction from the Lord about what morality should look like. It's very clear. There's very clear definition of that. But there's another person that the Lord is promising within this passage named the Holy Spirit who is integral to our understanding of what obedience is. See, if obedience is about knowing the heart of the Father, Holy Spirit is the one that shows us the heart of the Father. Jesus, while he was here with his disciples, he was showing us the heart of the Father. And you saw it through this passage and through many other passages in John, that Jesus would say over and over, I and the Father are one. I am one with the Father. What I do, I see the Father doing. Those are the works that I'm doing, are the, Father, the works that I see the Father doing. They're exactly in unity. And here Jesus has been revealing to the disciples, listen, I'm about to go back to the Father. He hadn't gone to the cross yet. He's telling them, listen, the cross is ahead of me, and that's where I'm headed, and then I'm going back to the Father. And for this, as he says in this passage, uh, you ought to rejoice because the Father is great. But in this passage, what we see is that he is giving us something that reveals the heart of the Father. Verse 16, And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, advocate, friend, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In this passage, Jesus is promising his disciples that he is sending another. In fact, the Father is going to send Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, is what it says. Verse 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Does the passage tell us about the Holy Spirit? It tells us the Holy Spirit is a helper, an advocate, a friend. It tells us the Holy Spirit is with us and even inside of us, takes up residence in us. It tells us that the world doesn't have that. 
There's a distinction between uh, someone who's placed their faith in Jesus and someone who hasn't, and that the Holy Spirit resides in the believer. Someone that doesn't believe in Jesus may know a set of rules. They may understand what compliance is and what, what goodness is even. But they don't understand the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is revealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit will teach you everything. You don't have to go to Bible school to find out the intricacies of the law and understand what is right to do. The Holy Spirit will teach you everything and will remind you of the words Jesus said. Most importantly, apply them directly to your circumstance and situation. See, when it comes to obedience, the Holy Spirit is truly our advocate and our friend. Uh, I was reminded as I was studying this week of the passage in James chapter 4, which says this, starting in verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whomever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. What is it to be disobedient? It's to not do what God has commanded you to do. And I'll, I will add the caveat that the Holy Spirit never directs you to do anything that isn't in accordance with the Bible. <laughs> so, if you get some feeling that like the Holy Spirit is telling you something to do and it's like includes murdering somebody, then you know that's not true, right? It's not some advice you should follow. So, so you do need to obviously check uh, the feeling and emotion, whatever is is being said to you against the Word of God. But truthfully, sin is not doing what God has commanded you to do. He's commanded you many things in the Bible. But he's commanded you in particular, each and every one of us who follow Jesus, particular things that he's called us to do. He called my wife and I to move to downtown Clearwater. That's God's command for us. You know? For you, it's something different. Sin is not doing what God has commanded you to do. How do you know what God has commanded you to do in particular? It's very simple. You ask him. <laughs> you ask him. Regularly, continually. You see, what Jesus is trying to show us here is the heart of the Father. That he wants us to be one with him and the Father. Verse 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He's not leaving us out here alone. He's providing for us. He's saying, listen, I'm going to send Holy Spirit to you. 
to direct you and guide you in everything that you're doing. And it's not just going to be a book that you have to interpret, but it's going to be a relationship that you're living with me, Holy Spirit, inside of you. And again, in verse 23, Jesus answered him, um, after Judas, not Iscariot, asks him the question, Lord, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus says to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. God's desire is, is to be at one with us through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and by the gift of the Holy Spirit that we will be in one with God's will and desire for our lives. So I want to go with two things as we close here. Obedience is not about complying with a command. It's about knowing the heart of the Father. It's about knowing the heart of the Father. The reason Jesus speaks these words is he says, listen, I'm about to go. I'm about to go to the Father, and I'm telling you beforehand so that you might believe when it does in fact happen, I'm going to go, and I'm going to the Father. And he gives them this promise in the midst of that. He says, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, but he has no claim on me. What he's revealed to them is that he's going to the cross, that he's going to die for us. And in the midst of seeing that happen, they're probably going to have some doubts and concerns that like, this guy we've been trusting for a few years here is hanging on a cross. What's going on? The ruler of the world is coming, but he has no claim on me. I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Obedience is about knowing the heart of the Father, and no one knew the heart of the Father better than Jesus himself. What we saw in his heart was God who came as a baby, lived a life just like ours, tempted as we are yet without sin, and gave his life on a cross for us. That's the heart of a father. What is obedience for us? To follow in his footsteps, to do the exact same thing. Finally this. Holy Spirit is one with the Father and the Son and keeps us in unity with him as well. Are you wondering what your life is about? At times, I'm sure we all are wondering, what are you doing, Lord? Where are you taking me? How are we supposed to go on from here? How are we supposed to move forward? Ask Holy Spirit. He's been given by the Father in the name of Jesus that you might be one with your Creator. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for Holy Spirit. So grateful that you sent Him to convict and challenge and encourage to be our advocate, our friend, our helper in every time of need. To show us what obedience is and to lead us 
to obey you from a position of love, recognizing you are our creator and our father and you desire good for us. And so obedience is simply walking in what you have prepared for us that is good. We thank you for Holy Spirit. Pray that we would be more aware of his presence in our lives, even inside of us. They would recognize that what you purchased on the cross was a temple inside of our bodies that can house the Holy Spirit's presence. What a cherished gift it is, God. May we not forget that you are present in us. May we walk our days in unity with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In their name we pray. Amen.